Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Kirsten Yale, Research Manager at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. In this episode, we will continue our series on the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on your practice and take a deeper dive into telehealth and what ADCES is doing to support your work. These questions came from the recent ADCES webinar on telehealth guidance. To access the recorded webinar, please visit diabeteseducator.org forward slash COVID-19. I'm happy to welcome back ADCES Director of Diabetes Education and Prevention Programs, Sasha Ullman, on today's episode. Sasha, welcome back to the huddle. Thank you for having me. Well, this is the first time I actually get to welcome somebody back, so I'm truly appreciative of that. We are back here talking about telehealth and the 1135 emergency waiver and all the work that's been happening over the past couple of weeks since um, COVID-19. I know your team has been going pretty crazy trying to sift through the waivers and sift through these new policies and thinking about our members and what's best for them and honestly, what's best for the people that our members serve. So I really wanted to think back. We've had the opportunity to give a live webinar and have multiple question and answer sessions that have come after that. And it's been interesting to hear and to read the outpouring of hundreds of questions that have come in. And I'm hoping that we could take this time we have today, just 15 minutes, to talk about really high level some of the questions that you've received from our membership. Absolutely. All right. Well, if I miss anything, just jump right in. We already had the 1135 waiver, which through the webinar and through our past podcast, you know, you were able to really communicate what this waiver meant to diabetes care and education specialists. But there were some issues with it, right? And it's the whole reason why we're going back and reviewing it. So a couple questions that have come in. Does a phone call with a provider, this is something actually I would love to know too. Like if my provider calls me, if I were a person with diabetes, does that count as telehealth? So that is a huge concern for our members and our patients with diabetes. So at the current time, CMS allows, um, I'll give you their definition, they allow for use of telecommunications technology that has audio and video capabilities that are used for two-way, real-time interactive communication. So to the extent many mobile computing devices like phones have audio and video that can be used for two-way, real-time communications, they qualify. And then under the waiver, they added that people with diabetes or anyone receiving telehealth is allowed to use telephones that have audio and video capabilities. Believe it or not, that was not previously approved. So someone with a smartphone who can receive 
I think of an iPhone, FaceTime, anything like that where you can see the person, hear the person, and communicate. That is what constitutes telehealth. And I'll just kind of step back for a minute and just stress why we're so concerned about this. A lot of our patients are older and either may not have those smartphones or may have issues with Wi-Fi. If they're living in rural areas or different parts of the country, it may not be as prevalent. So the questions from our members are pouring in, can we provide DSMT, DSMES via phone visits? How can we be reimbursed for you know, phone visits that would normally have been visits that the person would come into the clinic or come into the diabetes center and meet with you? Can we do those things by phone? And at this time, DSMES or DSMT cannot be billed if only a phone visit. And telehealth does not include phone only, just audio visits. So that is one of the requests that we've asked CMS is to consider, can phone visits be included in the waiver? Or is there a solution to a lot of people who may not receive diabetes education that need it, that just don't have access to the technology or you know, the skills to manage the technology to efficiently receive the care they need. It's interesting. I think a big piece of the people with diabetes population are elderly. And with everything that's happening right now with COVID-19 and the social distancing, I have not been able to visit my parents who are in their 80s. And up until this time, they never were able to do FaceTime or WhatsApp or video calling. And you know, my brother and my sister and I have worked very hard to get them up and running. But if they didn't have us, they probably wouldn't be up and running and able to use their phone or their computers or their devices to do this. And, you know, that's a big piece of our population that we're missing out on. Absolutely. And there's also, I think, for my concern, there's a huge number of people with diabetes that, like you said, may have the technology, but aren't comfortable using it. And that adds additional concerns because those are the people that need it the most right now because they're going to be likely more isolated than those of us that have this technology and are connecting through these resources, which is great, but we're not necessarily reaching some of the people that our members know need it the most. And I, I will just say how you know heartened I am when I see these emails and questions come in from our members just the level of concern for their patients. It's like, what can I do? It's not, I don't care if I don't get paid. It's a matter of, I realize they may not get paid for this, but I have to reach my patients. I have to be able to help them. A lot of the questions I'm getting are, will I be penalized by doing phone visits, even if I don't bill them? And I want to make that clear. Absolutely not. If you have the capacity to reach your patients that's not a concern in your health system or your, your supervisor has allowed this to maintain that continuity of care, that is wonderful. And know that we are working to get you reimbursed for these services. You're repeating, I think, a common thing that we're hearing over and over again, that diabetes care and education specialists are reaching out to their patients, seeing them in this way, but even though they're not being reimbursed, and I think it's just in the, it's just the nature of who they are. If we can jump to another big question that I've seen come in a lot is these new versus established visits. I think in the waiver or even in the original telehealth policies were that only established visits was where telehealth was allowed. Has that changed at all? Yes. And that is a really important thing for our members to realize. We do get this question a lot. 
And that is how it originally came out, but they have waived that. I'm not sure if they've waived it, but they have said they will not be auditing people to look for that. So essentially, if you have a referral and you can see someone via telehealth, you can do it even if they're a new patient. During this emergency waiver, though, um, I think it's important that our members understand we're always going to be advocating for this for the long term. But for right now, everything we're talking about is mostly related to this emergency time with this emergency waiver and as long as that lasts. Do you think any of these questions that are coming up and these changes we're trying to make in an emergency could have an impact longer term? You know, that is sort of the light, hopefully, at the end of the tunnel here through this situation is that this has created an urgency for our health systems to build this capacity and for our payers to recognize this is important. And we're talking to, as the director of our DAP accreditation, which is our diabetes education accreditation program, as I get questions from our quality coordinators on what should I do right now, I'm just encouraging people to document as much as you can. So be sure to document, you know, the difference. If you're doing a phone visit, regardless if it's being reimbursed or not, document that you saw, document those visits and differentiate that that was a phone visit versus in person or that you provided telehealth. Because we hope that if we continue to see positive outcomes when it's not a one-on-one visit in person, and we may be able to look. So if you have data to support that, then that will help us build this case long-term. You know, data drives change. And so I think that's really important. And I will say we're working with some leaders in this space and hoping to pull together and maybe by the time this airs, some really key data points that will be important to track. Okay. So you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to ask you, what are the key data points and like, how should people track this? I mean, is it simply on an Excel spreadsheet in their EHR? What is going to be the easiest way to transmit this data or share this data? If your electronic medical, electronic health record has a way to track this, I know when I worked in the clinic, I I worked in a very large health system that had pretty good resources. I can't deny that. But we had a way to schedule visits that were just phone visits within our department. So I would have been able to run a report at least to track some of that. I think outcomes as a diabetes care and education specialist, we're looking at outcomes, we're tracking outcomes. It's all the usual suspects, you know, A1C, behavior changes, really looking to see, are we seeing the same effects or similar You know, this is an emergency situation. If we're seeing the same outcomes or similar outcomes in this different scenario, you know, that's the evidence we need to show that this does work. When you're thinking about data, sometimes I think, think about the questions you're going to want to ask two to three months to two to five years down the road, because in order to answer those questions, you need to have the data now. Yeah. And I would like to add to that is just that, you know, our quality coordinators, as I work with diabetes care and education specialists, and I'm a diabetes care and education specialist myself, we don't do a real great job of advocating for ourselves. There, I don't know that there's any better patient advocate out there than diabetes care and education specialists. We are so focused on our patients that sometimes we forget And maybe we don't forget, it's just not as much as a priority to us to advocate for our our own value and what we bring. So I encourage, you know, in this time until we can hopefully get more guidance out, when you're thinking of what should I be tracking, think of things that are going to show your effectiveness. Don't focus on the things that you need to fix as much as 
what are these data points that are going to show that this is successful? Well, and when you talk about the diabetes care and education specialists and how they always advocate for the person with diabetes, it's almost like what makes them so great at their job or what they do is just that it hinders them and it hinders us in moving forward in these health systems. So super interesting. You know, Sasha, we can chit-chat forever, but I have a couple more questions I want to make sure I get through here. This was a really interesting question to me, too, and I've seen it pop up on the list a lot of times. This nine hours of group therapy, was that in the original waiver? Can the DCES use telehealth for those nine hours? Yeah. So in 2020, I believe it happened in 2020, but I'm not sure the exact timeline. In general, telehealth all 10 hours could be provided via telehealth with the approved providers. You always have to remember that. But the approved providers and approved practitioners can provide telehealth all 10 hours if insulin teaching is not required. Obviously, now we're looking at solutions to that because if people can't come in and need to learn insulin, if there's audio and visual, people are looking at how to train. But at this time, all 10 hours can be provided as long as insulin teaching isn't required. Fantastic. That's great news, actually. I know people are going to love hearing that. So the last thing I wanted to cover with our time, I know you and the rest of the team in science and practice has been really working hard at what was left out of that waiver and what are we doing or what are we requesting to include in that waiver? Can you touch on some high-level points there? Yeah, definitely. I think we have been looking at the questions that are coming in from all of our members, like you said, and this shaped our questions. One of the requests we've made is truly to remove the group class requirement and allow those 10 hours. So a person newly diagnosed with diabetes has a benefit through Medicare of 10 hours of group, basically one hour of in-person and nine hours of group settings. So we're asking to remove the requirement that people have to go to a group setting, obviously with the concerns right now, and that all participants would have access to one-on-one sessions, even if in person. And then we're also asking, because once they have that first session in their first diagnosis, the clock starts ticking and they only have 12 months to complete those 10 hours of DSMES or DSMT. And so we're asking them to give an extension to that 12 months because right now, because of everything going on, a lot of people are not getting those referrals. They're not getting to diabetes education or they may have started but won't be able to finish within that 12-month timeframe. So we're asking them to extend that so that people won't be penalized if it takes them longer to get through their diabetes education. And then obviously we're asking to allow all DSMT providers to be covered under telehealth. And then we have asked that phone-based audio be allowed for DSMT visits during this emergency. And again, this is only during this emergency, but to make sure we're reaching the people who need us most. So question about the telephone or just the phone or voice-based visits. That would never be a recommendation long-term. That's just because this is an emergency and people need our help right now. Um, Yes, I think it's to reach some of the people that need it the most, but that's our request right now. I have all the confidence in the world in my colleagues that are diabetes care and education specialists, and hopefully maybe we can get this approved long-term at some point. These things are in active Congress, as I mentioned. I'll just say that with phone visits alone, I think our colleagues are very creative and would make sure to get people visual tools. It just might not be 
look at this while I'm, you know, they may have to send them something to review while we're on the phone talking. I think most of our colleagues would be providing tools that are both visual in addition to the phone visits and getting those to their patients somehow through patient portals, through mail, through any secure communications that they can. You know, when I hear that, it just, it makes a whole lot of sense to me because it puts the decision of the right mode of communication for the particular patient in the hands of the diabetes care and education specialist. And that's what they do. They're behavioralists. They understand how people work best, how they learn best. So maybe long-term, it could be an option. Hey, you know, Sasha, we are close to our time again. I know we're going to have a few more times where we can meet and talk through all of these questions that are coming up with the COVID-19 waiver. You know, I always ask at the end, any lasting ideas or words of wisdom you want to share before we say goodbye? If you're out there doing some innovative things, please let us know, document what you're doing, because we want to hear your ideas and hear everything you're doing out there so that we can advocate and support our members. We know you're out there working hard and we want to support you as much as we can right now and forever. Fantastic. Well, Sasha, thank you again. Stay safe, stay inside, stay healthy, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In this episode, we took a deep dive into the latest waiver from CMS and the work ADCES is doing to advocate for your role in telehealth services. For more information about COVID-19, including free recorded webinars and the latest information on telehealth guidance, please visit diabeteseducator.org forward slash COVID-19. Check back over the coming days as we release new episodes to help you utilize this vital technology. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.